Recording from the Sunshine City, St. Petersburg, Florida, overlooking beautiful Tampa Bay, this is the Sonography Lounge, sponsored by Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute. This podcast is dedicated to medical professionals and patients around the world interested in diagnostic and interventional ultrasound. Our podcast will discuss everything ultrasound, from news, trends, career paths, new technology, and industry updates. Hosted by Lori Green and Tricia Rio of Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute, they bring over four decades of experience in the ultrasound profession and are here to guide you through this journey. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sonography Lounge, where we discuss all things ultrasound. I'm Trisha Rio, and I'll be co-hosting today's episode with Lori Green. Hey, everybody. Welcome. So, Lori, there are many different types of career paths a sonographer can take, but often they're either unaware of the opportunities, or maybe they just don't know how to transition from a staff sonographer position into another role. So we do our... Uh, Career Spotlight podcast series, which highlights sonography professionals who have experience working in one or more of the various career pathways and can share their personal experiences of different sonography roles and the associated benefits and challenges. That's right, Tricia. And so today's episode, we will be featuring a career as an ultrasound program clinical coordinator in a long-term ultrasound program. And we're excited to have with us today, Carol Yetzer, who is the clinical coordinator at Gurnick Academy of Medical Arts in Fresno, California. So welcome, Carol. Thank you. Glad to be here. Awesome. We're so happy to have you here as well. So why don't we get started with you just telling us a little bit about your position at Gurnick Academy and what exactly uh, your responsibilities and roles are. Okay, so basically, I'm the liaison between the students and our clinical sites. So I arrange those students' clinical rotations based on what they need in order to have a well-rounded clinical education. I want them to have both hospital and outpatient experiences and spend some time in general, OBGYN, and vascular areas of ultrasound. So some of our students, too, may spend some time in facilities that perform specialty exams, such as breast, high-risk OB, or pediatrics. Um, But part of what I do is I need to make sure that they're compliant with each of those clinical sites requirements with regard to their vaccinations and their immunizations. Um, I also teach a patient care class and instruct at the school scan lab to help prepare the students for the clinical environment. We like them to obviously get as much practice and familiarity with normal anatomy, which most of them have, uh, before going out to clinicals and seeing um, pathology in the real patients. So another thing that I do, <clears throat> excuse me, is I maintain good relationships between the school and the sites, and I'm always looking for new clinical site opportunities. And uh, Gurnick itself is a two-year associate degree program with approximately four 12-week clinical rotations, and our students have to complete a minimum of 960 clinical hours before they graduate. So um, it's a lot of balancing with each student and trying to get the best experience for them. Yeah, definitely. I like that you guys spend a lot of time in the scan lab, like you said, working on normal before they go out into, you know, the clinical rotations. Because as a sonographer who worked with students, I always felt that they were better prepared. And um, I was able to give them more time scanning when they had those basic skills down. So I really like to hear that you're focusing on that. Sure, and we spend a lot of time um, with 
not only the novelty of the machines, but also just learning how to optimize each and every image because every image is a new opportunity. And sometimes they get so focused on what anatomy they're looking for, they forget about all the other tools that they have to try to make the best possible image. So we try to prepare them in the scan lab before they're out to the clinical site so they can be productive right away. Yeah, that's great. And and they get a nice rounded education there. I mean, just even with the general OBGYN and abdominal applications to be able to at least get exposed to some of those other specialty applications such as breast and pediatrics is really great because, you know, in today's world, you really have to do, know more than just the abdomen, OB, vascular end of things. So um, it's nice that your your program actually offers offers those opportunities. And we try to use um, a very in-depth curriculum so that they are, if anything, over-prepared. So when they get to the clinical site um, and they're asked to do something that may be a little bit out of the ordinary or a little unusual, they have seen it before or they're at least familiar with it. Yeah. And then as far as your role as the clinical coordinator, as far as, you know, any of those of you that are listening to us um, talk about this position, it sounds like as with our with our uh, education that we do for continuing education, it requires someone to have a lot of um, excellence in organizational skills, time management, um, being able to, you know, keep track of your students as well as your clinical sites and making sure that your clinical sites are are doing what they're supposed to do with your students and following up and making sure that they've met all those needs. So would you agree that that is one of the key key assets that you need to know? Definitely. Um, you have to be organized because I sometimes I feel like I wear lots of, of different hats depending on um, what the situation of the day is. But yes, it's important to just try to keep a handle on everything that's going on with each level of students because I've got several different cohorts or groups of students that I'm responsible for. Yeah. So some are closer to graduation, some are just still beginners in the scan lab. Yep. I remember those days. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, um, you know, speaking about your background and experience and obviously all the different assets that you have to have in order to take on a position like this, why don't you tell us a little bit about your previous experiences and how those prepared you for your role at Gurnick Academy? Sure. Well, I've um, been working in the field as a staff sonographer for over 20 years, and I've spent time um, equally between hospitals and outpatient labs. I'm ARDMS registered in abdomen, OBGYN, vascular, and breast, and I've just always enjoyed working with ultrasound students at my facilities. It was always very satisfying to me to be able to, to share my knowledge and experience and then see the students' confidence and skills grow as they spent time with me. Um, it was it was really enjoyable to see the light come on mm -hmm. with students. And so this was kind of a natural transition for me. And um, ultrasound in general is just, it's constantly changing. And I, I still learn something new every day. So even after you're no longer a student, as an ultrasound professional, you're, you're constantly learning. Absolutely. We've had many, many discussions about that, that, you know, as an, an ultrasound profession, it's so dynamic and technology's changing and giving us the opportunity to see things that we've never seen before or to enhance our ability to diagnose. And so the, the learning process never ends. And so even as an educator, you need to make sure that you're keeping up on 
the latest uh, skills and techniques and technology. And so that's what keeps our our uh, our profession so enjoyable, right? Because we don't become stagnant as long as you're taking the initiative to to keep learning. And that's a that's something to instill in our students as well. That if you're going to go into this profession, that we're going to start you out here, but don't throw your books away because <laughs> don't sell them. Right. <laughs> I see people selling their books all the time, and I'm like, huge mistake. <laughs> you're going to wish you had that. <laughs> and there's always something new to learn, especially with the increase in applications like MSK and even um, even more recently. <clears throat> lung ultrasound and having mm-hmm. to, to deal with all the, the things that happen to people with COVID. Right. Absolutely. And that's a great trans transition into my next question, which is, um, you know, with COVID, that's affected so many um, professions and businesses throughout the world. And uh, shortly after you began your position with Gurnick, um, COVID shut down the world. And so I'm sure that that affected your program and and uh, presented many new obstacles that you had to overcome uh, that you probably weren't planning on having to deal with. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how COVID affected your program and and how you had to um, be innovative in, in continuing that program so that the students were able to graduate. Sure. Well, it was about March of 2020 when um, COVID forced the shutdown and everyone um, had to leave the classroom and leave all their clinical sites. So we developed some virtual lab activities for our students, in addition to starting to teach class online. Um, virtual labs were PowerPoint presentations that included quizzes so that we could monitor their progress. And we also developed some quizzes based on ARDMS registry reviews. Um, we never ceased our program operations and the students were able to fulfill their clinical requirements without stopping their education. So when we were able to come back to ScanLab, we had to do things a little bit different. We provided full PPE for everyone and limited students per room, but that way they could still practice scanning with each other until they were able to return to their sites. Uh, Most of our sites were closed for at least three months, and so this did delay some of our students' graduation dates. Uh, But now, slowly, we are all caught up as far as completing the program on time. Um, but we still continue to follow all the CDC guidelines and students are required to wear, excuse me, wear masks at their clinical sites and be fully vaccinated to protect their patients and themselves. So we're ever mindful COVID's still out there. And so we'll probably need to keep making adjustments as we go along, but hopefully the worst is behind us. I find it amazing that you guys were able to pivot so quickly and kept your program um, on, you know, on task and on schedule, because I've heard so many stories of how it went very differently. So kudos to you guys for being able to make that happen, especially with you being so new in that role, because it was shortly after you joined Gurnick, right? Correct. It wasn't long afterwards when I had to kind of adjust to the, the new reality, but we were never, you know, we never had to shut down completely. We just had to adjust to the situation and do the best that we could. And it wasn't just ultrasound programs. It's all of medical education that had to adjust. Oh, right. You know, all the hospitals basically were not allowing any outside um, people to come in, even the, with the patients. You know, their their families were not able to come with them to the hospital and so forth. So um, to be able to, especially in your role, I mean, from a didactic standpoint, you can pretty easily adapt to 
not being able to be in the classroom in person through uh, Zoom and you know, different virtual um, opportunities. But from a clinical perspective, that's a little bit more challenging to uh, be able to provide, continue providing the scanning experience that's so critical to one's ability to be proficient in performing ultrasound. So, um, you know, as Tricia said, that's great that you were able to implement some innovative and creative ways to continue allowing the students to be able to uh, scan at least themselves and keep that those scanning techniques up and until they could get in, in to scan patients with pathology, but you could at least augment that with your didactic sessions so that they're still getting exposed to seeing what the differences are between normal and abnormal. So again, that's a that's that's awesome and and kudos to you for being able to fulfill that that need. Especially with a staffing shortage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, we need, right. we need those students graduating. So that kind of takes us right into our next question, which, you know, um, I'm on a few Facebook groups and whatnot, and we've done a couple podcasts on this topic, but with the staffing shortages and all the changes from COVID and everything that's happened over the last three years, we know that sonographers are feeling burnt out. And we see an increasing interest in moving into new roles within the ultrasound field, some outside of ultrasound, but most of them want to stay within the ultrasound field to kind of combat that burnt out feeling. So if somebody is listening and they're considering, you know, maybe I want to transition into a role in education, what are some words of wisdom and or some key recommendations you can offer for someone considering a transition like this from a clinical setting into a long-term education environment? Well, if you have experience with and truly enjoy working with students, um, ultrasound education can be very re rewarding. Key positions might include a didactic or a classroom instructor, a lab instructor, a clinical coordinator, and even program director. And some of these positions, including mine, require you know a combination of roles. So you have to be flexible and able to, uh, like I said before, wear many hats. Um, you do have to have a lot of patience working with students because it's hard to remember that they have, in the beginning, little to no scanning experience. Um, but more than anything, you, you have to just be passionate about the field of sonography and want to share your knowledge with others and help the students translate what they're learning in the classroom and in the scan lab into skills on real-life patients at their clinical settings. Um, because helping people and potentially saving lives, you know, still the best reason for being in this field. Mm -hmm. And the students are the future of sonography. And what it comes down to is they're going to be scanning us someday. That's so right. I want them to be good. <laughs> That's a very good point. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't want to think about that for too long, but very good point. <laughs> yes, I would agree with you that, you know, a lot of times people, they, they look at education as, you know, maybe that's their um, pathway that they're going to take into retirement and not really realizing that what what is all involved in in coordinating and organizing and implementing programs and and dealing with you know the day-to-day -day lives that your students have because they have a personal life at home too so not only do you wear your your uh, clinical coordinator or your program director hat but you also have to be a psychologist as well because there's always going to be those type of um, real-life situations that become involved with your students, and you have to be able to kind of deal with those as well and help them to navigate through 
those challenges and still be successful in their program. So, um, you know, that's something I think that people oftentimes don't think about. But I, I you know, we've been in education for a long time. I'm, and um, it's something that you really do have to have a passion for. Yes, yes. Yeah. This is not a uh, coast into retirement kind of position. No. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you there. It's not like that at all. You've got people coming from many different kinds of backgrounds. You know, they might just be really young, just coming out of high school or older with, um, you know, families of their own. And so there's adjustments that everybody has to make to make it a successful student experience for them. Yeah, absolutely. And always have that creative hat on you because, you know, everybody learns in a different way. Some people are more visual. Obviously, sonography is a very visual profession. So most people that are going into it are relatively visual oriented, but everybody learns differently. So you have to be able to always try to find different ways to present the same concept that will click, make sure that it clicks with everybody across the board. So, um, you know, that's just uh, something that I think people need to think about as, as to what their key um, things are that they enjoy doing in life where they can still augment their, their profession as they are moving on into a different role. So um, I think this has been a great conversation today, and, and we hope that this has provided our listeners with some inspiration and insight to those considering making a transition from a staff stenographer, perhaps into an educational role. As educators, we can agree that this role brings new challenges and rewards that you never knew were possible. So we hope this has given our listeners a little bit of food for thought and will help you into making those decisions on whether you might want to move in this direction. Yeah, and Carol, thank you so much for being here with us today to share your experiences with our listeners. I just think that this is invaluable for them to hear about the various opportunities that are out there for stenographers. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. This was enjoyable for me as well. All right. We'd also like to thank our listeners for being with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Sonography Lounge podcast and follow us on social media so you don't miss an episode. Have a great day and happy scanning. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Sonography Lounge. Don't forget, if you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram, at Sonography Lounge, and Twitter, at Sonography LNG. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, feel free to send an email to us at Sonography Lounge at gmail.com. Have a great week and scan, scan, scan. <laughs>